Hello legends, today I catch up with cab member Robbie Carter, the founder and CEO of Electcom, an electrical company that in just six years has become a market leader through service specialization. Me and Robbie discuss how to find a niche in your industry that you can dominate, how understanding your costs can turn your business around and help you become a highly profitable company, and Robbie shares his secrets to achieving 100% staff retention. This guy is one of the best leaders I've met, I reckon. I absolutely loved him, and I know you will too. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, Robbie. Um, and man, I'm, I'm excited to do this episode with you, because after speaking to you last week, and I think we tell the listeners, me and you only met last week. We did. Um, uh, you know, even though you're a cab member. And um, I just found your journey and the way you described it to me, yeah. uh, going from, um, uh, well, if you want to go from the very start, going from um, uh, being an electrician, you were, no? Yeah, by trade, yeah. yeah be, be, being an electrician for someone else's company to, yeah. uh, you know, going out on your own to then getting, um, to, to building a team and opening offices to then getting off the tools and, and you know, doing yeah. more of the businessman role um, and, and, and that journey, I just found it incredible. So, uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, well, um, I'm so grateful that you invited me on and um, it's great to be able to uh, tell my story. Yeah, awesome. You know? Well, why don't you share? So why don't you just introduce your business? Uh, we started Electcom. Well, I started Electcom uh, six years ago now. Uh, so we're just a general electrical contractor uh, and we found our niche in uh, LED lighting. So we basically, uh, for long and short, we basically go into a, a venue and, and change the lights. Is it every venue? So like, for example, when I do an office fit out, are you doing that or are you special? Like- no, no. So typically we work with lighting companies um, to just change just change lights. So no PowerPoints, no uh, data cabling, anything like that. Just literally to go in, strip the lighting back, put new lighting in and yeah. And, and, and so that's obviously a very niche yeah, extreme kind of thing. So we, like- we found that out along the way. Like no one, no other Sparkies were doing it. And, but why do you think it works? Because obviously a normal Sparky would say, oh, no, I should do the electrical as well because, you know, I can make money on the electrical and I yeah. can do the cords and it's well, more work. what you think, but I guess it's a mundane job, you know, like it's, it's, not, it's not glorious to go in and just change lights. So you're up and down a ladder all day, every day. Um, there's not much variance there. So I think that's one component. And then the other component is it's, it's hard. It's hard labor. You know, just literally grinding all day up and down a ladder. Um, it's a very laborious job. Whereas if you're a general contractor, general electrical contractor, you probably get an opportunity to think a little bit more. You know, it's more about standing in front of a switchboard, fitting off circuit breakers, problem solving. You just get a wide variance of work, you know? Oh, so you're, sorry. So you're saying that the other electricians, one of the reasons that they didn't kind of do what you what you're doing is because it's mundane what you're doing probably in the yeah. sense yeah, so they're yeah. thinking oh this is a bit more kind of complex but there's something to say about that um, and I want to talk about how you kind of got to that realization that that's what you wanted to what you wanted to do but there's something to say about the importance of specialization you know and just being a specialist yeah uh, being finding efficient your, finding your niche yeah finding a niche and just being really really um great at that. That's what you do. And yeah. you're the best at absolutely that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that says a lot. 
And, and, and how has that been advantageous to you then uh, as a company, um, having, uh, you know, focusing on literally changing lights as opposed to the electrical? Well, if we start, if, if we go back to when I started and I wanted to do everything, you know, it was, it was glorious. Uh, I want to do the, the, the sexy fit outs. You know, I want to do the multi-story buildings. I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, and I and I attempted to do that and uh, I, I wasn't making money. I couldn't, uh, you, you can't do everything. So yeah, we, 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 were, we were doing fit outs. We were doing this, we were doing that. And um, three years in, I wasn't making any money. Um, I was turning over millions of dollars and not making any, any wow. money, no dividends. And I had an opportunity. I was speaking with a friend who owned a plumbing company and uh, 40, 40 staff. He was turning over good money, you know, uh, over $8 million. And I was like, man, wh what do you have that I don't have? You know, I, 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 like man to man, looked him in the face, like we're having a beer, it's Christmas. I was like, I, I can do that. Like I've got, I've got people's skills. I, I, like I've got half a brain. I can work this out. Like, you know, I've come this far. He's like, in all honesty, Robbie, I've got a business coach. I was like, who is your business coach? You know, so he, he dropped the name. I was like the next day calling this business coach. I'm like, man, I, I need, I need, I need this. I need this now. He was like, we don't just take people on, man. Like it doesn't work like that. You know, I've got a, I've got a full calendar. Um, why don't I pencil something in, get to understand who you are as a person and we'll see where this goes. So that was sort of the start of the journey. Um, and so that was, that was three years in. That was three years in, yeah. And and so in within that three year period, was the money element something that you were focused on and noticing, or was it was it more in that period you were just like trying to build your company? Yeah. Well, I, I was very naive, like very. When I started the company, it was like for me, it was my goal, like three people and a million dollars. Like this will be it. This I will I will find a girl. I will get married. I will turn over a million dollars and I'm done. And that's, that's what I thought when I was 31, 31 years old. And, and within six months I had three guys and I knew I was going to blow past a million dollars. I was like, holy hell, like I'm onto something here. But no, the, the money was like never, you know, the first couple of years was like oh, $2 million, $3 million. But I didn't understand. That was my problem. Like I didn't, I didn't understand what net profit was. I didn't understand what gross profit was. Um, I didn't know how the dividend was being calculated. Didn't know what the dividend was. Like mm. still understanding business structure. Um, and, and tell me about your background. So how did you, where did you grow up? Like was business something that was kind of um, accessible to you or, or how, how did you find yourself wanting to become a business owner? Grew up in uh, Brisbane uh, from zero to 14 and then uh, in, in uh, Logan home. And then the folks moved to Melbourne uh, when we were 14, we followed dad. Dad worked for Coles Meyer. So he worked his way out from menswear to uh, MD, managing director. Wow. Um, so I guess that's where the business came from. Yeah. You know, senior businessman, just watched him grind as, as a kid the whole way, you know, the, the six days a week, the 80 hours. And mum was at home, like the stay-at-home mum and uh, schooled me and my sister, you know, got us to, to grow up. Um I don't know. I guess that's just, uh, I don't know. What made you, what made you think, so were you always like, I want to be a business owner or what made you, what made you start a business? I, al I always wanted something. Um, I always loved being in control and I, I knew I had something to give the world, you know, 
Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is, but um, when I was 30 and I had the the luxury of learning the internals of a of a big large electrical contracting company, I realized at this point when I started to flourish, I was like, I knew I could do this. You know, I had some good business owners that taught me and they brought me into the inner sanctum and they're like, this is how you conduct business. This is how you do this. And at that point I started putting all the pieces to the, the puzzle together. I was like, shit, I can do this. What, what I like about what you said is like, it's almost like you felt a bit special yourself. Like you kind of felt like you were, you had something and, and you said it in, in a, like a humble way. But, but I reckon a lot of business owners, they've got, for some reason, like it's that self-belief is the first step. And to have that self-belief, you almost have to have like, you know, I, I do feel special. Like, you know, like oh, yeah. you have to feel like, no, I'm meant to do something. Like I, I, I feel that, I feel that there's something about me that is, is special. And it's that self-belief that triggers like your ability to, to look at the world and find the opportunity for where you fit and yeah. where you can make an impact. And, you know, often like, I mean, it's, it's a common uh, thing that when someone works for another company and they realize, wait a second, like, yeah, this isn't that hard. I can, I can do this. It's always harder than you expect yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> You're naive if you think it's going to be easy. Yeah. But yeah. 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 I remember being young and thinking, man, I'm going to blitz this. This is going to be so easy. Like, look at all the people that have done well. Surely I can do well. And then you start, you know, oh, wow, yeah, they, these people were really special. Like, wow. It's hard. Yeah. But, but I just think it's important to highlight that, that you had that self-belief and that's what kind of made it. That's the drive, right? Yeah, it was a drive. That's it was drive. what made it possible for you to see the world in a way that was like, oh, wait, okay, well, I'm working this company. I can do this. I'm going to start. And so you, 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 you kind of blew past the part where you got the first three people and you kind of cracked the first million. How mm. was that start? How did you start? I... Um yeah, I just took a chance, bought myself a van. I knew I knew of someone who who uh, was part of a lighting company who liked what I could do, and we sort of like called it. And I said, "Look, I'm I'm willing to start my own business." He's like, "Look, if you start your own business, I'm willing to give you a shot." And that was it. I was living in Sydney at the time. Um, the projects that we quoted were down in Melbourne, and being from Melbourne, um, I quoted him. Bought the van like the next week. He accepted the the quotes. I was like, gave my notice, then went and bought the van. And I was like, I'm driving straight to Melbourne. Called my best mate who owns another electrical contracting company. I said, man, I need to borrow your staff and I need to borrow your wholesale account. I'm going to have a crack at you know business. So he was like, okay, man, no worries. I'll, I'll help you out through Christmas. I did these two jobs, about a hundred grand's worth of work, made about 30 or 40 grand. I was like, and my old man was like, I think, I think you're onto something. I was like, you think that you think, um, and that was it from that moment. I was all in, I was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, the lighting company continued to throw me some work and, uh, I continued to travel around Australia for about six to 12, probably 12 to 18 months. The first rollout I did was with Opal Age Care. So a big nursing home company, they got about 50 sites around the country. And we just went from state to state to state, changing uh, changing lights in every single one of those uh, facilities. And how do you manage? Like, how does a, a young, early stage electrical business land a contract with a, a company the size of a, a Opal? Um, you just get, you just meet people in life. You know, when you emanate energy, good energy. I'm. I felt like I met this lighting company. They liked what I did after two jobs. I'm a proud and passionate person. I'm always going to give you 120%, whether, whether you want it or not. 
And I think they saw that. They knew this guy was legit. He wanted to do right. And they gave me a shot. And, and you know, I executed. And I think that's one of the biggest things with business. When mm. you're giving, you got to find your opportunity. And when you get it, you must take it with both hands. Yeah. Well, it's like what we were talking about the other day. It's like the, like the two most important things you can be in business is the first is you, you got to just be a good person. Yeah. Like that's the most under, uh, underrated thing ever. If you're a good person, yeah. like you'll attract other good people. And, and the second is you have to be great at what you do. Because yep. if you're a good person and you suck at what <laughs> you do, well, I like you. I want to give you the money. I want to <laughs> give you the opportunity, but I can't because you, you suck. It gets you so far. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and vice versa, if you're a shit person and you're great at what you do, well, I don't like dealing with you. I can't trust you. I can't give you the work. Yep. You've got to be a great person. And, and you've got to be great at, at, at what you do. And, and that, that's, that must, like, that's obviously how you've maintained these big relationships. Yeah. Um, on the tools, it's a lot more easier. It's, it's a controllable narrative, you know? So I think for me, it was, it was, that's why I sat on the tools for so long, you know? So you ask how, how I went about doing it. So it was, it was 10 hour days changing lights with like two guys. So you're, you're seriously under-resourced because you can't afford it. And you're all in, you know, so it's like eight hours, eight to 10 hours on site, up a ladder all day, dealing with the clients. And then it's home to look at the books. It's to invoice the clients. It's to whatever it may have been, you know, so it's just burning the candle both ends for like a couple of years, just trying to get it to stitch it together. And were you in like, a lo- I know a lot of um, people in the, the construction industry, particularly owners like yourself that, that, that moved up at... They, they actually forget to invoice people sometimes because they don't like doing the admin and, you know, like all the admin. How did you go with all the admin stuff? No, it's, I'm a detailed person. Yeah. I'm oh, very, good. very, very detailed. So for me, it was, it's, it's always been important to, to follow through with those things. But a lot of my stuff's project-based too. So it's not like at the start, it was only one project every three, four weeks. So it's not like invoices out weekly. It's not like a hundred little jobs here and there. So, sort so of you were able to manage both the, uh, like the, the trade execution element as well as that kind of backing element yourself. Yeah. I mean, did I manage? I managed. I don't know if I did it very well, but I managed, I managed to glue it together uh, enough to get me through for that first three years. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hire a PA for the first three years. And so at that three year mark, that's when you realize, okay, well I've got traction. I'm, I'm producing revenue. Yep. Uh, I've got a good team and, and I'm good at what I do. I've got great relationships. I'm getting new work, but I'm not making any money. Yep. How did you then start to make money? So once the, uh, once I went through the coaching process of, you know, getting, getting, co- getting the coach for uh, landing the coach, I told him my story, told him what I wanted and he believed in me just like my, um, my first client. And, um, we got to work straight away. And in the first three months, it was just brutal. It was brutal. He just held a, held a card up to me and said, this is what you're doing right. This is what you're doing wrong. Um, you need boom, 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 boom. If you want to make money. So I had to, I had to remove my Queensland office, which consisted of one of my best mates. So I had to remove, I had to fire five staff, had to close that office. I was so emotionally invested in. Um, and and yeah, why, what, why did he say to do that? Because we were, we were heavy in construction up in Brisbane and he showed me that we were losing money quickly in, um, in construction. So, and, and so what's the like, so you're heavy in construction in Brisbane. What were you heavy in in Sydney or lighting, Melbourne? Lighting. Lighting. Heavy, okay. Heavy in, heavy in Sydney and that was holding up the business. So we were probably making 40, 50% GP on lighting at that point. And we were probably like negative 10, 20% on, 
on construction. And he just kind of helped you realize that. He showed you that in the numbers. Yeah. So we got a, we got, I already use like a small piece of kit to, to like for our CRM software, or I think that's the term in yeah. Uh, yeah. Corporate, yeah, CRM software. <laughs> um, I got a new piece of kit um, and it enabled us to plug in. So construction work as one subheading, lighting us another subheading. And then we could start to put all the jobs through those different areas and we could start to see, okay, we're making money here. We're making money there. We're losing money here. So once we started to like separate the business down and break the business down into small subcategories, we could start to see what everything was costing, you know, and, that, and then it sort of laid out. Which CRM was that? Because I'm sure there's going to be some listeners from other construction companies. And Simpro. Whatnot that, it was Simpro. Simpro. Actually, so I actually started on spreadsheets. So my coach is a, is a wizard on spreadsheets. So we, we built it first, but it's the same. It's the exact same principle once. And the software we use now is Simpro. Okay, wow. Well, this is a great advertisement for coaches, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Like, oh, like if you said to me, what was the, what was the number one thing? You know, I, I would say get a coach because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And, and, and so what did exactly did he do for you? So like if, if so, there's a listener out there that's thinking, okay, well, I've got a construction business or any business, uh, yeah. construction is probably more relevant, but I'm not making money, but I've actually got jobs. You know, h- how can I make that switch? How can I make that pivot? What would be your advice for them? Uh, understanding your costs. That's where, that's where it landed for me. So I, you know, you, you read, you're an entrepreneur, you like deep dive on YouTube and, and, and a thousand other platforms that are out there and you speak to a thousand other business owners because everyone wants to give you advice. But for me, let's just work off like my, my first employee, right? It cost me 35 bucks an hour. And I always just inflated that number. I'm like, okay, he, I know he cost me, I know there's a little bit of a buffer on top of that to pay for everything, like fuel and stuff like that, you know? I'm like, let's call it, it cost me 55, but I'm charging him out at 70. Oh, I'm making 15 bucks an hour. He, he soon broke that number down and showed me what my real cost for X employee on $35 was. And it was like 80 bucks. I was like, I'm charging this guy out at, at 70, but it's costing me 80. I mean, do the math, do the math. Um, so for me, that was probably the biggest thing. Understanding my cost. That's the most I've taken out of my, um, my coach uh, and the ability to speak to someone that you trust without an emotional attachment to your business, someone who can give it to you black and white. Well, I guess, but it's not understanding your costs definitely, but it's also understanding which element or service you're providing in your business that is profitable and, and, and moving away from the things that are costing money and moving heavily, moving resources into the areas that are making money. Yeah. So, so we also, he started my process and my journey with, um, what do you want? Like, you know, I need a number. What do you, what do you want to get out of this business? Like, is it, you want to work three days a week, you know, for X amount of life experience? Like you, you want to travel today? Like, what is it that you want? So he used, um, I have a hundred list. It's like a hundred things I want to do, you know, it's makes up of, you know, doing F1 races around the world, you know, traveling certain areas. It's just my list of things that I want to do. Why a hundred? That's a lot of shit. We, we, I picked a hundred things, right? Um, and then I picked a number. Okay, I want to use X as that's what I want to make per year. And he worked backwards from that. So we worked out that every lighting team I put on, if a lighting team was three guys and they changed 60 lights a day, we could make X amount of money. Now to get to your X figure that you want, you need five teams changing 100 lights a week and that will get you to that number. You know, and that's basically how we were able to run full tilt at that. 
Yeah, you worked backwards. We just I mean, reverse engineered like, it. Yeah, like my, my old man always said, you say that to me. It's like you got to figure out where you want to get. You just got to work backwards from that yep. and make a plan that allows you to hit each each step that leads you forwards towards that goal. Yeah, it's a smart coach. This guy. Look, he just he, they just know. You know, he's obviously he works with twenty other businesses. Like he's probably seen guys like me before. If you really want it, like some people are coachable for sure. Like I've got mates own businesses. I was like, you can't tell them. You know, they won't make money. You can't tell them they're novels, you know. Um, and I respect that, you know, like if you do, if you want to find, you want to work it out for yourself. Me personally, I know I've got the skill set to do what I want to do, but I don't know everything. So if I don't know, if I don't know how to, what, you know, gross profit and net profit is, like show me someone who can teach me, mm. you know, like do what you're good at. And now I, I very much six years in, now I just, I go find people who are specialists in what they do or what they're just great at doing. And I employ them or I, or I make them friends and I put them in my inner circle so I can take from them what they're good at. It's funny that just the key to success is surrounding yourself with the right people. Like whether that be your team members mm. or whether that be uh, friends or whether that be mentors or a coach yeah. of some sort, it's the people that you surround yourself with that makes, that makes the, the difference. The, oh man, like I was telling you, uh, just because of my job and what I do, and I guess what we've accomplished, which has attracted really great people, like I've got so much help because I'm just surrounded by so many great people yeah. that if I screw up, that is definitely my fault. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That was my fuck up. Like, I shouldn't be, I should not be screwing up. I should not be, uh, I, I should not fail because I have so much help. Yeah. You know, be it, kind to yourself though. I mean, you're still human. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to fail saying, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just yeah, like, yeah. I feel so blessed to have that. And, yeah. and, 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 and every time I speak to people, like even like people like yourself, you know, you're, you're describing that you're describing how well, it's a war chest, right? Yeah. It's a war chest, you know? So you need to, you need to get weapons into that war chest. Yeah. And, and, and have the right mindset. Yeah, you like what you're saying. It. You gotta, gotta want it. Be open to learning. Yeah. That's another thing. You have yeah. to be open. Like if I, that first three months, with the coach was just, I was so hard on myself. I don't know about you, but I'm incredibly tough on myself. You know, I expect big things and I, I'm working hard to, to be kinder, but it's just who I am. You know, I, I want, I want to have great things in life and, and, um, I love performance and I want to be good at what I do, mm. you know, it's not, and I don't, there's, there's no shame in saying that, but like, I, I genuinely do. I want to be good at what I do, whatever that may be. Mm. You know, whether it's riding a horse or it's doing triathlon or cooking cooking spaghetti, I want to do it the best. It's just it's just who I am. And and so, where's the business now? At what what stage have you gotten the business to? Because obviously, you're off the tools now. You're really yeah. focusing on the business. Yes. Um, so we've just come off the back of our biggest project ever, uh, one of the biggest lighting projects in in Australia. The New South Wales government just upgraded a thousand schools. So we we're lucky enough to do about about ten percent of that. So we did about a hundred schools in the last two years. Um, the lighting market's sort of definitely getting like the project stuff that we do definitely getting more saturated now. A lot of the a lot of the sites have been upgraded. Um, you know, if you look at the last five years, we've probably upgraded you know 300,000 luminaires. So those bigger scale projects are becoming harder to find. We're in a situation where we've done really well. I've built an amazing team. And we're starting to look at different avenues. So, so when, when I also first built the business, uh, well, once, once I got the coach after three years, we identified that 
just lights was going to cut it, you know, like this is all we're going to do. So we're just, and I, I knew it was a, an avenue that would probably die. So it was like, we're just going to make hay while the sun shines. And when it's ready to fold, we'll, we'll work out what the next thing is going to be and we'll, we'll fold and we'll jump. But what happened is over this journey of creating this business and becoming a businessman, I created this team that like have just got behind it and, and bought in to the brand clients and like they're not going to leave. They don't want to leave. And it's like, I realized what I had and it's so much more powerful than just changing lights. You know, I've created this brand. So now we're just, just finishing that project. We're sort of looking at our next thing. What's it going to be? Um, we're looking at EV charging, um, anything project related. Like my team is incredible at communication being small and adaptable. So, yeah, looking at what can we do for services to, to get in and out of schools, especially like, you know, we're very tight with the school's infrastructure in New South Wales. We've had great success with dealing with principals and and um, the government. So a skill set of ours is like having a high touch point with, with comms and being adaptable. So, you know. If you want to get into EV charging, tell me because because we got a couple big people in Cub heavy in that yeah. space that, that that would be easy ins for you. But but um, you said something really cool, which was that you know, you you realised at some point or well, now that your business isn't just like you're not just electrical a, a service provider. Yeah, no. You know, the, a business is more than just what the the actual function of the business is. The business is a community of people who are doing something good for the world, who are happy, who are yeah. you know. That's when I always say like. Business owners and business contribute so much to society. That's what I mean. Like what yeah. you just described is yeah. is exactly what, how I see uh, most businesses. And 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 how do you? How did you? Because I can imagine how you'd be a great leader. I mean, you're authentic. <laughs> you're just a good person, and you're easy to talk to. I, I I could just imagine you being a fantastic leader. Um, what do you do in order to create um that team culture that you describe? We uh we found a um well. I- I worked out that changing lights was incredibly mundane. Well, you know, I worked it out because I was in the trenches with the boys doing it daily. I knew to keep the guys, we were going to have to do something special. And in, and in 2022, I realized that coming off the back of COVID money was never going to be enough. You know, like you can get a a great position um, and you can offer 150 grand and the great guy, you know, 150 grand is a great salary, right? But the guy who wants more out of life isn't going to choose 150. He might go somewhere for 130 if the company culture is worth it, you know? So I realized I had to, had to offset the money. I mean, Hey, you have to pay your staff what they're worth and probably take it 5% above as, as, as a base. And then I realized, okay, we we need to create some epic culture. So how are we going to do this? Okay. So the guys, the guys kill themselves on the tools every day, getting up and down ladders. Let's, and some of them can't afford to, to pay for, um, you know, uh, massage therapy, any like, you know, taking care of themselves. Why don't I provide a platform that, that starts to do that for them on site? Why don't I take that issue away for them? So we de- we developed a wellness, a, a, a wellness program where once a month we send out a masseuse and a chiropractor to the team. They pull the guy off the tools, they get him to sit down and then they go through and they give him an hour's massage, dry needling or chiropractic, whatever the guy needs, you know? Uh, so I provided that and then we went deeper into we're making good money. Why don't we once a month start investing back into the team and start doing activities, culture activities. This, this idea came from, uh, it sprung an idea called culture day. 
So, so 12, 12 days a year, once a month, we, uh, we go and do an activity as a team. And uh, yeah, we call it culture day. So it's, you know, from, from fishing charters to, um, I think last month we went out and did stand up paddle boarding. The boys went out to Cronulla, they had a big breakfast and then they all got on the paddle boards and they all had sword fights on the, on the, on the paddle boards. Um, but yeah, that's sort of. What, you know. What's the best? So a lot of people, like someone made a post on BOA. Um, last week or something, which was, you know, does anyone have good good ideas or have done any good culture days for their team or team yeah. bonding, whatever activities? Yeah. Is good. What what would be the best one that you've done, you reckon? The fishing charter was pretty amazing. There was uh, four guys in the company that have never caught a fish. So, you know, I, more than the fishing charter for me, it was about helping those guys do something in life away from business that they'd never done. So the joy the joy on their face when they landed that fish was like, you know, that's where I get my happiness from, you know, seeing them do something that they'd never done before and being able to provide a platform where they can do that and we can all still succeed together. Man, that's, that's life for me. It's also a cool idea that you could think about like any culture days you want to do with your team. It could be like, what's something people probably haven't done yeah. that we could do all together. Therefore it's like an experience. We'll all talk about it. And yeah. it's something they've ticked off their life list. You know, like so that's okay, what we did. I think that's what we did at the, at the conference. We do a company conference as well once a year. Um, what's that? So the company conference is, uh, well, last year was snowboarding. We went snowboarding. We brought a leadership coach in and we did our, um, we did disc profiling. We explained, it was a good opportunity to, to tell the team how different personalities work, why managing some people's tougher, or, you know, why some people take direction better, uh, task related, why some people are more emotional at work, you know, why they're people related, you know? So yeah, it's an opportunity for us to reset you know, the guys to get some good value, guys and girls to get some value. Uh, my admin team are in Adelaide, so it's an opportunity for them to come into to Sydney and for us to get together as a group and and um, build build that bond. You know, and and so, but what's the purpose of the conference then? Like, what what what's the tightness? What's the, the goal? The goal? It's, oh, so it's bonding. It's like yeah, a big culture day. Hundred percent. It's a giant culture day. It's yeah. three days together. Um, with, with you know, we've got one next week actually. Uh, in two weeks, we're going up to um, the Hunter Valley. And uh, rather than bring a performance coach in or something this time, we're just going to sit back and we're going to um, we're going to do like an internal feedback loop on the last two years because it's been crazy. You know, the team's been operating at 120%. So, an opportunity for them to tell me how things went, what they do differently, if they were in my shoes, you know, what do they think I did well, what do they think the business did well, just that general feedback and just trying to, you know, trying to have everyone bought into the business. Wow. Really you, cool. I mean, yeah, and, and I reckon that would be so rare—the culture that you've got and the way you're, the way you're um, providing these platforms for your team. I reckon it would be so rare for your industry. The like approach. For, I don't think anyone's doing it. Nah, it can't be. I would yeah. be very like imagine a bunch of sparkies on site getting a massage, <laughs> some dry needling. Our clients, it's got to be rare. Our clients are blown away. <laughs> Honestly, the the amount of people that come to us and say, "Your boss isn't paying for this." That's what the boys. The feedback is, but. You know, it's it, that's the price they pay also for doing mundane work, you know. Like we want to succeed as a team and it's like I know it's not glorious and um, it's worked well because I think every single one in the business has had an opportunity to work next to me or, you know, I've had the opportunity to work next to them. And not we're not just talking like the odd day, you know. It, it was three years. So my staff retention has been pretty well 100% since we started. So everyone we've onboarded has stayed around. Wow. Um, and, and, and how did you manage the transition from being on the tools to not? It's been tricky. 
it's been really tricky. Um, I struggled a lot uh, myself, just not being okay with like not being there and sort of relinquishing control. But at the same time, understanding that my greatest my greatest skill set is dealing with people. And whilst I'm on the I'm on site with them at a site level, um, they're not getting the best of me at all times. You know, they sure they get an opportunity to see a leader at work, um, but they also see the short sightedness of you know oh, he's just changing he's just changing lights he's just on the tools whereas I don't have the opportunity to implement culture and ideas and visions on hey which way I want to take the business how do we innovate how do we keep giving back to the team and creating a business that's that makes money and and has purpose so to do that stuff I just can't be on the tools you need more time yeah and and really you you, you it's basically like I really feel like the evolution of business is always um, having to remove – if you can find a way to to for yourself to focus on what's the most important thing you could be focusing on, then you need to do that. And typically to do that, you need someone else to take over the thing you're currently fo- focusing yeah. on, which is great because it, yeah. it gives the team movement. Like Correct. people are moving up. Yeah. You know, and if that person moves up, has to focus on that, well, someone has to focus on what they're focusing on. And so you end up, if you're constantly trying to push forward yourself, you're, you're almost pulling you the, the, the team with you to, to continuously move up. And that's your um, purpose, right? As a leader, yeah. a, a, as, a, as a business visionary, that's your purpose. Yeah. And, and have you ever struggled with um, uh, like this imposter syndrome? And, because obviously oh. you went from um, um, uh, zero to, 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 to having this incredible business you have today. In how long, how long has it been? Sorry. Six, six years. years. Yeah. Six years. So in six years, that's, that's not a long time. No. Um, and, and it sounds actually long, but when you are in business, six years, six years goes bang. Yeah. Like, wow. As not it? it's just a, it's, it's a blink, but yeah. Um, imposter syndrome, man. Cub really started bringing imposter syndrome out. <laughs> Tell me. Uh, honestly. Um, I was speaking to uh, speaking to a, a mate on the way over, uh, another core member actually, Lockie Cox, and I remember my first call like it was yesterday. And to the listeners, core is like one of Cubs. Um, it's our system of connecting members within the community. Yeah, so I had an opportunity to 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 get up and speak, and and unfortunately, I was already nervous. Unfortunately, I was in the last seat of the direction, so I had to sit there for like an hour and listen to everyone spiel first, but. When I walked in and I met my group, everyone was sort of in suits, um, fancy haircuts. Um, and I just, it's all my perception, but I felt like they were just powerful people within their industries. And everyone talks so poised and, and diligently and everyone's, I don't know, they just had a great vocabulary. That's how I felt, you know, and I was just shrinking. Every single person that spoke, I shrunk and shrunk. And to the point where I got to speak, and I think this guy next to me is Billy Baxter gets up and he's like, oh, so I've run the biggest advertising company in, in, in Australia. I was like, I got up and said, I changed light bulbs. <laughs> and in this moment, I was just like, what am I doing here? But within 20 minutes after speaking and, and, and the group, I had a mate, such an amazing group. Um, people just started talking to me and I realized that they had the same problems I had. In fact, I had some solutions for them and I started feeling valued within 20 minutes. But the imposter syndrome just, it shows up. It shows up in every session, you know, like for the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes, it just doesn't come natural for me. Um, Has it been a good, has that, 
um, like meeting people at Cub, whether it be through core, the core system or anything else, has that helped? Um, has it helped build confidence? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like, it's, it's the old adage, isn't it? It's like you, you work the muscle, you know, you know, got it. So that's what I've been doing. Um, I still feel incredibly anxious at times. I think I told you last week when we met, like even just coming to meet you, although our conversation was so smooth and so uh, organic, natural, I still coming into that building, I still feel like anxious, you know, like I still feel like I'm, I don't belong here. You know, yeah. I'm just, I'm just this sparky wearing work boots. Like what, what have I got to offer anyone? You know, like it was only a few years ago. I just work up and down a ladder changing lights. Not really a big deal, man. Like, what do you want to hear from me for? I don't belong in here. Yeah. It's, it's what I'd say is that the thing people, cause that's common to, to be like, I go meet some of my mentors, uh, uh, you know, some of the most successful people in, in the country. Yeah. And when I go meet them, it, it, when I met them the first time, you, you know, you get that, that nerve. But the thing that always kind of got me through it was that I'm a good person, <laughs> you know, like I'm a, I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, well, I want to do good to the world and I'm, I'm good to people. I'm not asking, I don't want to ask anyone for anything. You know, I'm just, I just want to meet them. And if you just think, well, look, I'm just going to be myself, tell them what I'm trying to do and, you know, share who I am and, 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 and just not ask them for anything and just be a yeah. good person. Like you find that, that people, even if, um, they're further along the journey than you, they're normally like, wow, I like this guy or yeah. this girl, you know, like what a good person and, 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 and they're just like me, but they were, you know, they probably see themselves in you in, in a way. And oh, like, 100%. like sometimes, you know, all you have to do, I really think being a good person and, and, and not being selfish in your intent of a conversation yeah. is the most, is one of the most valuable things you can do. Like I, I have people even come to me to talk and you know straight away there's like an intent, the reason that they're talking to me. Like, <laughs> what the real reason is. Yeah, you can tell, you feel yeah, it, you know what they're leading to yeah, and yeah, you, course, they set themselves course. up for it. But, yeah. And there's some people, like even like our conversation, just because you mentioned it last week, we just talked shit for an hour. Yeah. You know, and I was like, what a legend. Like, <laughs> yeah, we got to get in the But it's just because it was you just, p- people just being themselves. It's genuine, right? Yeah, and it was just a meeting for a meeting. It wasn't even, um, I just wanted to make friends with members. Like but that. isn't that what's what it's about like now with business i think when i started my my focus was i'm not saying no any client anyone that comes to me a 200 dollars job a two million dollar job i'm not saying no whereas like now people are like do my work i'm like i don't need your work and i don't want it it doesn't it doesn't align with what i want so so, so you've learned basically you know you do business with the right people surround yourself yeah. with the right people and you, you know you, what you, i don't like if you're if you are a great person i'm going to get more out of you than just changing your lights then I don't care whether my net margin comes down because you're a good human being and I may stand to get more out of, you know, having the team around you, having the team around your business, you know, watching your business grow is a direct correlation for me to grow my business, you know? So it's not always about money either, but that genuine component or like of, of being a human being is like what's most important, you know? No, I, I, and I think even like Cub has taught me about that, through relationships, you know, Martin Deneen, I'm going to go have lunch with him when we get out of here. You know, someone who's in recruitment, not really any overlap for electrical. He's provides a legal 
uh, PAs, it's, I he does uh, uh, administrational recruitment. So he does, like, he's basically an EA specialist. Okay. If you need an EA, you, you go. go to Martin. His company's called MJD, MJD yeah. Recruitment. Like yeah. just an incredible human being, someone I met through Cub, someone whose values align with mine, absolutely. You know, he works hard, he plays hard. Um, we're in the same point, you know, with growing our businesses, constantly checking in. Hey, Robbie, how's things going? How's your quarter going? What do you suggest if I'm doing this? You know, that's, that's something that's really invaluable that I, I wouldn't have got anywhere else if I hadn't joined Cub. Yeah, it's a friendship. That's yeah, why. It is. Like, I, it's I, genuine. Yeah, it's genuine friendship. You, you, it, like if I was to give anyone advice on networking, um, which well, I don't really do much, but, but uh, – You just build a, a brand that does. But, well, no, I help people network, <laughs> but in terms of giving advice towards networking, it's always like you just want to find people that you'd want to be friends with. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes you don't want to be friends with everyone because like, Hey, you don't like everyone. You're human. Like yeah. I don't want to hang out with everyone, yeah. but if you're, res if you're respectful and nice to the people that, that, you know, even though you don't see yourself being friends with them, that's still going to, you know, you still have that positive brand being built and they'll still remember you and refer to you, but find the ones that you do want to hang out with. Yeah. Find the ones that you do. Align with your values. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. and no, they don't need to be immediate value. It's not like, oh, I, that's my type of client, so I'm going to be friends with that person for that reason. Yeah. That, that's not how you can do it. It's got to be like, like, um, like you and Martin, like uh, an EA recruitment agency and a light changing company. You <laughs> yeah. know, like you, you wouldn't see too much no, crossover there. Zero. But how valuable is that relationship? And man, he can, he, he, yeah, it's, it's invaluable to me. Those things are what matter to me in this day and age, you know, like. Completely agree. And so with your, um, I just want to quickly focus on the fact that you did find that, that, um, that specialty, like changing lights, that that was the focus. I'm not going to do the electrical and fit outs yep. because if you get into like electrical and fit outs, not only um, at the time, sorry, if you, if you go into a space that's saturated, which I assume yeah. fit out electrical all, is, all the all the all the glorious stuff is, yeah. yeah, you end up in a in a price battle yeah. where like the builder is just going to say to the to the different electrical companies, hey, take ten percent off, yeah, how, well, you you want this job, drop drop to this number. And how do you, how did, and, and so you end up in like a price war. It's kind of like how I feel. Price with, war, like most of it, to be honest, from what I've learned, like every, everyone is like who you know, you know, like there's very few jobs that aren't sewn up from the top. You know, people will say, oh, it's not true, but it is. What do you mean by sewn up from the top? You know, like if you, you want this job, you got to know the right person. Oh. You know, price is, yeah, price is a big factor, but you're still only going to get a look in if the person knows you. Okay. You so know. you're saying the most important thing is relationship above price. Well, yeah, but within in, reason. In, in in competition, you know, like if you want to play in a saturated market, I don't know. Well, what, what's the point? Why would why would you? But and so why did people go with you guys to change a light as opposed to going with an electrical company that could do the electricals and change the light? Because inefficiencies, you know, like sure they might be able to change lights, but their their business isn't geared for it. Their vans aren't geared for it. They don't have systems in place to work out how, how many lights to, to change a day. like. But what's the benefit to them? Because you know that that's the case, but how do they know and how does that benefit them? I guess them? you got to sell that. You know, you got to have a name in the market. You asked around now, we'd, we've got a, we've got an incredible portfolio. Our marketing is like, you know, hey, we've changed X amount of lights. This is what we do. I mean, uh, you know, and, and part of my job is to walk on site and meet that guy, client, whoever it may be, and be like, this is what we do. This is the way we would do this. When we've done the other 50 nursing homes, we go and speak directly to the RN. We, we, this is the way we attack it. And they feel confident. 
It's know? a lot of social proof. It's yeah. kind of like Macca's marketing when it's like, yeah. you know, when they sold one billion cheeseburgers sold, you know, you're like 100%. two million light bulbs changed in six well, years. So yeah. like, we're not all, we're generally the middleman. You know, generally speaking, apart from the school contract, we're generally the middleman. So the lighting company, we're usually part of a turnkey solution. So it's usually a lighting company will take most of the contracts and then they'll find the electrician to, to install. So like by way of virtue and like just time, obviously I've knocked on all the lighting companies' doors and delivered for them. So most of them know, hey, this one's really tricky. We're going to go to Electcom. You know, this one's a bit price sensitive. Now in this day and age, I know what I charge. I'm, I'm a premium because we provide a premium service. So, you know, we can't go to Electcom or this time we'll just ask Robbie for a favor. Can we, can we slide this one through so I can give you the next couple of big ones? Um, but yeah, so, so just building relationships. Yeah. yeah that's, that's how I've gone about doing it. I love it. And so what, just to wrap up, what would be the, what would be the most important lesson you've learned in, in your short but successful business journey so far? Understand your costs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think, and I also think that that's something that uh, a lot of business people and entrepreneurs, particularly like our, our kind of generation and, and, and like basically young entrepreneurs, that's the one area that I reckon is most people's weakness. You think? Oh, with that, I can tell you. Yeah. I, I, there you go. I haven't got statistics, but yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of experience talking to business owners yeah. and, and I reckon that's the one. It's not just, it's not just cost, but financials. Yeah. Yeah. You're just understanding. Yeah. I mean, you just can't make informed decisions and every decision, every business decision should be based from a point where you have the information to make that decision. And I never had any of that information. So I was constantly making the wrong decision. Yeah. You know, my, even though it felt like it was right. Completely agree. My old man, he still does say this to me because um, I haven't listened for a few years, but you know, you need to know the rules. He's like, he's like the rules are your, the financials and tax. Yep. He's like, you need to know the rules. If you don't know the rules, it's like you're playing soccer and you don't know you don't know the rules of the game. You can't play. Yep. Like you're not going to be a very good player. You need to know the rules. I still haven't learned all the rules, but but uh, yeah, never will, I know how to score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, um, and to our listeners, if you want to get in contact with Robbie. Um, you can go to cup.club forward slash podcast and get in contact there. You'll also find uh, favorite book recommendations and, and other great information. If you want to catch up with Cub on socials, it's at Club United Business. It's equally as awesome. In fact, it's really blowing up lately. So you should definitely go check that out. Robbie, thank you so much, man, for coming, uh, for coming, visiting me on the show. Thanks for the chat, man. Amazing. Awesome. Hope you enjoy the show.